Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm delighted to share this series is in partnership with Heck. Being an independent and family-owned business, they pull out all the stops to bring that farmer's market quality to the supermarket shelf. Heck Square Sausage Range is backed by popular demand. As with the rest of Hex range, which also includes veggie and vegan options, you can be sure of high quality produce. They're the perfect shape for sandwiching between a couple of slices of wholemeal bread on a Sunday morning or topping with chutney as a dinner party starter. You can find Hex fair and square sausages in Tesco or online at hexfood.co.uk. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic, and author of Renourish and Top of Your Game. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. There is so much pressure these days to be the perfect parent, from preparing the best packed lunch in the playground to getting disapproving looks from when breastfeeding in public. It must feel like it's impossible to get it right. And whilst it's true that the nutritional needs of children differ somewhat from our own, I truly believe that finding an approach that works for the whole family is key for helping our children to develop healthy relationships with food. So joining me to share all the best tips and tricks on feeding our children well and navigating nutrition as a family is registered nutritionist Charlotte Sterling-Reed. Hello, Charlotte. Hello. Hi, Wee. <laughs> Thanks for having me in. Absolute pleasure. Well, I couldn't think of anyone better place, to be honest, to have the topic we're about to have and oh, discuss. And I think anyone with young children in their lives will know that getting them to eat well can be a bit of a struggle sometimes. And mm. it's such a challenge, isn't it, to get them to eat healthily? Definitely. I think there's a lot of confusion and I think there is a lot of pressure on parents as well to try and do the right thing, but also in quite a tough environment where there's a huge amount of food around that children potentially are going to want more. So yeah, there's so many pressures for parents I think it's funny you said that because we were actually we're doing an episode on um, sugar and mm. we were talking about the fact the environment now everywhere you go mm. there's highly processed foods and stuff you can just grab and mm. it's quite a tempting world out there for a child uh, definitely and you know these foods are made to taste very very palatable yeah. so for young children when they get the taste of sugar is the taste of broccoli going to be the same anymore? You know, it's it's a really tough one. And it's not to say that children can't ever have any mm. of those foods or can't ever have sugar in their diet. But, you know, it is a tricky one to get the balance right for parents because yeah. children are going to want certain foods. And when they start getting their independence and, you know, being able to say no and yes to certain foods, then it can be really, it can be an absolute battle for parents. And I see that every single day. Oh, gosh, of course. And how exactly do the nutritional needs of children differ from adults? 
So that's a really good question. Young children, um, they certainly have smaller stomachs um, and they have very high nutrient and energy mm. needs comparatively. Ah. So they need to eat quite large amounts of nutrients in a smaller amount of food. Okay. Um, so that's the key thing that I would say really is the difference. Obviously, they still have, you know, certain amounts of macronutrients and micronutrients such as calcium and iron that they mm. need to get in their well, diet. To grow, yeah. Exactly, to grow, to develop for brain health, for eye health, exactly the same as us as adults. They just need those in different proportions. And those proportions change as children grow themselves. Um, and so, you know, you can't pinpoint, but ultimately as we say all the time, it's about a balanced diet. Well, this is the thing. It's interesting because I was reading that 15 to 18-year-olds require more calories than those aged 19 and over. Mm. So, yeah, when children go through um, growth spurts, they do tend to have really high energy needs. And actually, for me, I think during the first couple of years of life, it's one of the fastest rates of growth that we go through ever. So children at that age as well, again, they need lots of energy and lots of nutrients Mm. um, in comparison to maybe older children who aren't growing, for example. Mm. So, yeah, their energy and nutrient needs do change from stage to stage. Um, But also, it's really important to remember that all children are really different, you know, and they're all going to have their little growth spurts at different stages as well. So it's very, very difficult to put a number on it specifically. That's the interesting thing. I think a lot of parents or a lot of people in general just think, oh, kids are just growing taller. They forget about the fact that organs need to increase mm. in size and every little cellular function has to be fueled correctly. Completely. So, yeah, it's, it's a real interesting one. What about when we're talking about things like salt? Mm-hmm. It's quite difficult in children well, what are the requirements what do you look out for so yeah again those requirements are very similar to with adults in that we need to limit the amount of added salt and added sugar that children are exposed to yes. um, especially younger children so for example younger children need uh, you know babies need less than a gram of salt a day that's really difficult it's when minuscule. you consider that cereals um, you know uh, some some milks have it added into them bread has it added into them butter has salt it's actually added everywhere isn't it, it is it's really really difficult <laughs> and I've actually done quite a lot of posts about salt just trying to help parents to First of all, relax a little bit because yeah. you are your little one is going to get some salt in their diet. It's going to be very impossible to to reduce it completely. Mm. But it's about again balance. It's about you know offering a varied diet, focusing on lots of plant foods and you know fruits and veggies as mm. well to try and minimise the amount of salt that children have in their diet. Yeah. As they get older, they can have small amounts more and more. But as you know, adult recommendation is six grams, which really is not a large amount. And it differs from sodium, which I think people forget about as well. Yeah. Sodium isn't so sodium like 2.4 and salt I think as you as the word itself is six but I think the good thing yeah completely is but the good thing about the UK is we tend to on all of our packets now have salt whereas if you look in in some of the food packets abroad you'll see that they have sodium Mm. and then you do have to convert it which is yeah timesing by 2.4 which let's be honest most people are not going to do no Um, so but when it comes to children the main thing I would say is no adding don't add salt and don't add sugar into their food so the best thing to do is just try and offer a really wide variety and avoid added sugar and added salt, especially with very, very young children. Such good tips. And honestly, these kind of things, I think, are so important to be speaking about. And when it comes to calcium, I think that's another key nutrient Mm. that it's so stereotypical. Children get their calcium in. You know, that's what we see on the adverts, on Mm. TV. We grew up with it. But obviously, I also read, um, I did a pre and postnatal course recently, that actually it's adolescents that have higher calcium requirements. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's often because, um, again, their their bones are, are still developing at that mm. stage. Um, also, one thing that I think is so, so important is exactly as you said, pre and postnatal nutrition. Yeah. Something I am really passionate about and I don't talk anywhere near enough about is the diet uh, of teens. Yeah. So we know that actually across the board, their micronutrient intakes are the lowest, especially teenage girls. So, so worrying. It's so worrying. They don't get hardly any nutrients, no, do they? And iron, you know, is a yeah. really high percentage of um, teen girls under their recommendation for iron. Um, the same with, you know, they're, they're lowering calcium and certain minerals like mm. zinc. And there's also concerns around how much vitamin D they have and how much iodine they have as well. And these are people who are going to go into the next generation. So, you know, carrying the next generation. Yeah. So actually the nutrition that you go into pregnancy with really matters. It matters yeah. for the growth and development of your baby. 
as well as their, you know, your own maternal health too. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, as we've said, teenagers often are falling short when it comes to some of those nutrients. And I guess that's such a difficult area for anybody because you're you're effectively a young adult at that point in time. So mm. it's their own decisions they're making outside of the home, perhaps not just at home. Yeah. How do you control How that? How do you control <laughs> that? But that's that's a different topic. Well, one I'm yeah. glad we glad we brought to light. And some of my friends of children and uh, my sister even they often panic when children refuse to eat their dinner or you know that they, they want to go hungry rather than eat something and I'm sure other parents can relate to this mm. and in these situations so what would you say Charlotte is it best to get the child to eat at least something or teach them a lesson and go hungry I don't know what to say <laughs> that's really difficult I certainly wouldn't say it's about teaching them a no. lesson necessarily <laughs> um but it is something I get asked all the time. I, I quite often document my son's food and sometimes if he refuses a meal, I will get tons of people saying, what did you do next? Did you offer him something else or mm. did you not? Mm. And I think, first of all, you have to put it into context. So, you know, if your little one is refusing foods over and over again um, and you are constantly bringing out an alternative and saying, okay, have this. You know, I genuinely have worked with parents who are offering seven or eight alternatives at a meal. So they're not eating that, so they bring something else, try something else, try something else. That's obviously not a good situation to be in. The best advice is to say, have a really nice structure around your little one's meal. So they've got multiple opportunities to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, a couple of snacks during the day. And if they refuse a meal, then that's fine. Take it away, pop it in the fridge. And if they ask for something or they say they're hungry later, try offering that again. Now, I know that doesn't always work. If Rafi refuses something, he normally is going to refuse it when I offer it to him the next time. Um, But um, as I said, if you've got a nice structure and plenty of opportunities for your little one to eat, they're not going to starve. So ideally, try not to offer alternatives because all you're doing is suggesting that you can make the decision about what you eat. Exactly. Mm. And really, one of the things I like to say is with with what we offer to our children, it should be the parent decides what and the little one decides how much. So if they don't want to eat that, that's fine. It's absolutely okay for them to eat little amounts or to skip Mm. meals. Mm. And if they're not feeling hungry, that's fine. Because isn't it true that children regulate their own appetite better than we do as humans? Is that what's going on there? They are very good at regulating their own appetite. Now, this does vary as well because you do have some children who aren't actually very good at regulating their own appetite, which is, you know, a smaller proportion of children but in general yes children are very good at knowing when they're hungry and full they just need what we call the responsive feeding so they just need kind of guidance from parents which is a parent establishes a nice routine the parent Mm. decides what to eat um, and let your little one guide you as to how Mm. much they want to eat at that meal so yes they're very very receptive to that but you know, sometimes you do need to help them by, yeah. for example, not encouraging them to eat up if they say that they've had enough. So if they say, nope, don't want any more, rather than saying, come on, just one more spoon just to Just let them say Just it's let fine. them go with it. Because yeah. is that what you would define as a fussy eater then? I mean, how do people deal with those? Because, of mm. course, how do you even classify a fussy eater? So the classification is re- it's really varied and it varies from country to country as well. Um really there is no specific definition but actually there is research that suggests that up to about 50-60% of children are fussy at some point so it's really common and the first thing I say to parents is don't worry it's really normal and most children go through a phase but actually the way that you deal with that phase can result in either continuing on for a long time or being just a short phase that they get over yeah there's so many tips that I go over and obviously as you know it will be individual um, based on that that parent but certainly there are some things like I said establishing a routine yeah um you deciding what um listening to your little one's appetite Mm. cues as much as you can um avoiding offering alternatives and also looking at what your little one's eating over a week that's a better idea the the number of times I get parents who will say to me oh they don't eat anything but actually when you break it down there's a whole list of foods that they will eat and that they do eat Mm -hmm. it's just that as humans we always focus on the negative we do I think it's really important to say to people have a look at what they're eating over the week because children's appetites vary just as yours or mine might vary some days I'm really hungry some days I can go without you know having much and there's a whole variety of foods out there and I think it's very easy Mm. to get stuck in a rut as we do of our own diets just as much of our children and that kind of leads me nicely on to weaning babies which Mm. I think is a very daunting process Um, we know now about baby led weaning 
weaning, all these different mm-hmm. things. But when is it a good time? What's the advice on weaning that you would give? Brilliant. So advice from the NHS and yeah. the World Health Organization is that weaning should begin at around six months of age. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for that is because breast milk or formula milk is really all that baby needs up until they get to about six months of age. Mm. Um, but as with everything, all children are different. So yeah. some children might be ready, you know, no, no child is going to be ready exactly on no. their six-month birthday. Some children might be ready slightly earlier, some a little bit later, but the most important thing is to look out for a few signs. Okay. Um, the signs are that children can sit and hold their head and neck steady by mm. themselves. They can reach out to food, pick it up and put it in their mouth all by themselves. And they will have less of a tongue thrust, so they can actually actively swallow foods mm. and won't push it all out with their tongue. Mm. So if you start to see those three signs and you see those regularly happening, um, it might mean that your little one's ready for solids. Oh, there gosh. are other signs, but yeah. those are the main ones. Because apparently as well, isn't it better to breastfeed for as long as possible? Yeah, absolutely. So breastfeeding for as long as possible, um, but exclusively until around six months, because actually after six months, children do need food for a number of reasons, of course, nutrients, but also ticking off milestones, you know, f- learning how to bite and chew and swallow. Yes. There is this um, this statement that always goes around that drives me mad, which is food before one is just for fun. No. I haven't heard of that it's before. <laughs> <laughs> it goes around all the time. So, no. And it's a real one that drives me mad because, yes, food should be fun always. You know, yeah. I think playing with food and engaging with your yeah. children with food is so important. But actually, it's not just about fun. No. It's about nutrition. It's about yes, it learning is. to eat and mm. learning what food is. So let's not use that anymore, please. No, I like that. <laughs> and talking about nutrition, is it more important? I mean, I think one approach I would probably take is, is trying to get the veg in first. Surely you want to change the palate a little bit. Definitely. You know, we're, we're all born with a preference for sweeter foods. Mm. So the way I always look at weaning is that it's not about giving them foods that they're already going to really easily accept. It's mm. actually about trying to teach them to learn to enjoy foods that they won't necessarily like automatically. Good idea. There's a lot of research on veg-led weaning and on introducing veg first now, which suggests that actually if you do introduce veg as the first food and you carry on introducing it, um, then it's more likely that children will eat up those veggies as they get mm. older. I think it's a mistake is the fruit, isn't it? Things like that, too young or before you've even tried the vegetables. And yeah, it just completely. Ends, it's difficult then to get veg in yeah because as we said earlier you know once you've had sugar or something super sweet then it's less likely that you're going to accept something bitter it's not to say that if you do offer apple puree or or, you know rice Mm. pudding that that they are going to then never eat vegetables again but it's just it's easier if you are able to try and get them to expose you know exposed to lots of veggies first a real variety and then start to build on all of the other foods because isn't breast milk naturally quite sweet anyway i remember going to a talk that you gave gosh several years ago I think I think it might be 2015 or was it, 14 was it St Mary's one it could have yeah and you said that you get the preference for sweet foods is it in the amniotic yep. fluid around yeah so yep. if a mum's eating lots of sweet foods mm. the baby will also yes yeah so the amniotic fluid that. is there's lo- there's a research that suggests that we can flavour the mm. amniotic fluid and that the amniotic fluid is flavoured by the foods that we eat and that's the same as the breast milk as well yep. so actually you can expose your little one to bitter taste and more savoury taste even earlier on by just making sure you eat a real wide variety of those foods yourself yeah um you know breast milk is super sweet and amniotic fluid is sweet as well naturally um but if you um you know we can slightly alter the taste Mm. and we can give baby a taste of more bitter foods i think that's so interesting yeah it's fascinating i think it's such fascinating (laughs) research i know it really makes me think of those moments where you just want a whole tub of ice cream but maybe you should have that and also have some yeah (laughs) dip dip your broccoli in the ice cream and you're winning (laughs) hilarious um, okay, so on a different note completely, mm-hmm. but very topical, there's a growing rise in veganism. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we might start seeing more children being brought up on a vegan diet. Now, what are the implications of that? Yes, definitely seeing a lot more of this now. Um I think it's a difficult one to advise on because you wouldn't necessarily... It's very... First of all, it's very difficult for, to bring up babies um, on a vegan diet unless you are completely breastfeeding okay. because actually formula milks in the UK aren't... Uh, there aren't any formula milks for babies that are vegan approved. So mm. if you are wanting to bring up a vegan baby, you will need to breastfeed your little yeah. one. And of course, breastfeeding up until, you know, two years of age and beyond if mm. you want to, which is mm. what the World Health Organization recommends. Um, but yes, there are implications because if you decide to 
to put your little one on a vegan diet when you start weaning, but you don't necessarily think about replacing some of the nutrients that you might get in, let's say, milk or dairy or animal products, you might be, um, you know, they might be at risk of being deficient in things, for example, like iodine, which mm. is really important for brain development, um, iron, which is really important for immune system and for, yeah. you know, uh, getting oxygen around yeah. your little one's body. Yeah. Um, they also might be at risk of um, not getting enough in the way of things like zinc, um, calcium. There's quite a lot of B12, B12, vitamin D. So the main thing I would say is if you are deciding to bring your little one up a vegan... A, do your research. B, go and see a healthcare professional, so a registered nutritionist or a registered dietitian who specialise in infant and toddler nutrition because they will be able to look at your little one's diet and ensure that it is balanced. Yeah, because there's so many elements in food that you just, you can't get things like B12, for instance, or iodine. It's so difficult. And you may, that was the third thing I was going to say, you may need to consider actually you will need to consider taking and yeah. um, giving your little one a supplement there are lots of options so the vegan society do an, a supplement which can be given in small amounts to mm. children um, and also things like yeast extract you can add to mm. food which does offer some of those B but vitamins. again of course we shouldn't be advising supplementing without checking with a health professional exactly. first so exactly. it's quite risky isn't it yeah definitely and you wouldn't want to be you know giving multiple supplements no. either and the department of health recommends supplements for children anyway mm. so it, it you it really is important yeah. to go and get that checked with you check with your gp and health visitor yeah. but ideally i would say you need to be speaking to a registered nutritionist mm. or dietitian yeah i think we can't emphasize the importance of that because it's totally okay to, cho- to choose i mean it's actually a bit of a debate i had on an, a previous episode where i was saying well some people will say that parents choose what their babies eat so by saying to a baby you will eat meat you are making that choice Mm. for your baby just as much as you're making a choice if it's vegan so ultimately Mm. it's one of those kind of gray areas but Mm. as health professionals we have to remove ethics Mm -hmm. and focus on the facts of what we can do to help exactly that's absolutely a good thing so Let's talk about sweet treats and relationships mm-hmm. with food. So grandparents are kind of the ones. I mean, I remember having elevenses and having a little <laughs> egg cup full of chocolate raisins as a kid. But they're notorious for offering children sweets. Um, <laughs> I mean, when you're handing your child over and they're babysitting, perhaps, do you think there's any harm in this? Or should we think twice about reinforcing, you know, sugary treats as rewards? Yeah. So, oh, God, so many things. Mm. Honestly, I could speak about this like Yeah, good, good. Uh, <laughs> but first of all, context so in this day and age actually grandparents are being a very you know very much a main carer often you know they they are are looking after children when they're in in, uh, when the parents are in work quite often so if that's the case definitely we need Mm. to approach it I think if you know grandparents looking after them as a one-off it can be really difficult they 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 might they are more likely to want to give them foods that they know they'll enjoy and gobble up and obviously that does mean that often sweets are are the option if that's happening really regularly it's certainly something I would say needs to be addressed Mm -hmm. um Obviously, it's not ideal to offer foods as treats, but Mm. it's very, very difficult to get out of that mindset, especially for a grandparent who maybe has all of their life grown up with those foods being treats. It was their treat, yeah. So I think it can be a very, very conflicting conversation Mm. to have. But I think if it's happening really regularly, if if your little one's being looked after by the grandparents regularly, it's definitely worthwhile having the conversation. Um, Because do you think that can shape their relationship with food? growing up I think possibly it depends I mean definitely I think that the idea of treating and the idea of this you know this is a treat and you know when we go to kids parties you know they they associate that food with enjoyment with um, fun times whereas broccoli is not associated (laughs) it doesn't go in the party bag does it exactly So I think that, yes, we are establishing Mm. food rules and thoughts around food um, in young children when we do that. Now, that's not something that's going to change overnight. But I think that what I try and do with my son massively is I will, when he has his meal, everything goes on the plate. So whatever he's having for his meal, it's there on the plate. And he will pick and choose at the bits he wants. And often parents say to me, but doesn't he just go for the sweet stuff first? And I said, you know, sometimes he does, but sometimes Mm. he doesn't feel like that. And Mm. I'll see him go for the salmon first or, again, go for the broccoli first because he just eats what he feels like. Which is better than having a set, this is your main, this is a dessert. And this is your pudding. Because you're labelling it. And you will get your pudding if you eat your main. If you eat your main, which I know 
I grew up with. Yeah. It's just tradition. I think it yeah. is very tradition, but it is it does set that food hierarchy. It does make certain foods seem better than others. And mm. it does establish um, that eating behaviour of children that they will prefer that food. They will prefer that food of anyway. Course. But you're encouraging that and you're encouraging them that actually this food that I've just spent an hour cooking for you that's really nutrient-rich yeah. and really delicious yeah. isn't as good as what is to come. And that's yeah. the issue that I often have. That, that is the best tip ever. Put it all on one plate. Yeah. I think that's brilliant, Charlotte. And what about offering children sugar in the first place? I mean, is there a kind of age that you would say, okay, they're old enough now to have chocolate or have sweets? Because that's tricky, isn't that's it? That's really tricky. Yeah. I think it depends so much on parents' you know, parents' opinions. I know for a fact that in, I think it's in America, they say no added sugar before two. That's really? hard. Wow. That's really, really hard. You know, I, I do definitely limit the amount of sugar that Rafi has. And I do bake things at home that don't have added, you know, don't have added sugar mm. in them. But it's not realistic for most people. Most children will be exposed to chocolate before then. So yeah. I'd say there isn't a specific age. I think if you can leave it as close to one as you Obviously can the before later, you the better, start. Surely. The later the better, yeah. absolutely. But ultimately it's about balance and it's about not overly restricting because the more that you restrict as well, the more <laughs> they're going to also want those foods. I know, the so, more you don't have something, it creates yeah. a problem in itself. So. Yeah, and you see others eating it and you yeah. think, oh, hold on, I'm not mm-hmm. I've not had that so I think yeah exactly as you said it is just about you know creating a balance not overly restricting but just making sure those foods aren't overly available mm. to little ones ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I mean, in my clinic, I see a lot of people that come to me with problems of relationships with food they've developed in their childhood. And a lot of it could be stress or anxiety around mealtimes. Do you have any tips for parents to kind of Mm. keep mealtimes a safe, you know, a pleasurable environment? Yeah. Oh, God, absolutely. I think... That's I, I used to actually work in a in a weight loss clinic years and years ago and um I would see all yeah. the time real scarring coming yeah. from children you know, coming from childhood. Yeah. So people who would say to me, I, I binge eat simply yeah. because I'll I was leave the table as soon as I can I was, or I hated it. Yeah. yeah. So mealtimes are really important and I think as you know we ha- we do tend to have moved away from family mealtimes quite a lot. There's loads of houses that are built now without any environment for a kitchen table for example. I know it's all in front of the TV now. Yeah so, yeah. so I think family mealtimes are so so important. So the more that you can try and, and it's not always practical but the more you can try and sit with your little one make those occasions enjoy you know have it enjoy time not a battleground so that everyone's happy you know you can you know bring out colorful tablecloths or whatever you can do to yeah. just make it enjoyable yeah um try not to put pressure on so even if your little ones aren't eating the more that you put pressure on the less likely they will be to eat so try and take the pressure off and absolutely key number one role model all the yes. time role model yes. what do you want your little one to be doing what do you want your little one to be eating role model that because that is they will learn from you would you even say you should eat your main meal with them or is that confusing for them because they've got different food to you when they're very young so no i i would say eat definitely eat with them try yeah. and in- 
include elements of their meal in your meal because ah. actually they will see what you're eating and mm-hmm. they will want to eat. I mean, honestly, yeah. I will have the same plate as my son on the table so and good. he wants mine. He yeah. does not want his, he wants yeah. mine. Yeah. So I now give myself more because I know I'm going to be shoveling half of Yay. it onto his plate. <laughs> so really try and eat the similar mm. things to them. Um, try and share meals. That's the other thing. When we went on holiday with my son, all of our meals were shared. So yeah. we brought out dishes for the table and it was a bit for him, a bit for That's me, a bit for dad. very European. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. It's really important as well mm. because we're so used to it being, that's a kid's meal and that's my adult meal, but it doesn't need to be also, like that. Also, I think for parents, and I, um, this is no reflection on anyone at all or a personal thing, but it does happen as a lot of people perhaps are on diets or they're not very happy yeah. in themselves. So they're preparing separate meals. Yeah, yeah. And children do pick up on that, yeah, don't they? massively. They see if massively. their mum or dad's on a diet they know mm. so even I would say even if you are going to do that I would try mm. and a try and keep that uh, you know away from them yeah. in the sense that yeah. it's not a good idea to negatively talk about food to negatively talk about your body Around because they will pick up on that and that could have long-term effects on your little one's eating so try and keep any diet talk mm-hmm. completely out of their way as out much of the as dining possible. room Exactly. And even if you are eating lower calorie meals, um, still try and maybe offer them elements of that meal so they're having similar foods to what you're having as, at the same time. So yeah. obviously you don't want your little ones eating low calorie foods because as we said at the beginning, they, oh, they need, need more energy. Lots of calories. Yeah. Um, but just try and kind of um, have similar elements to each of your meals um, that they're having. But okay. those meal times are so important. Role modeling, keeping that environment happy yeah. and just trying to establish meal times whenever possible. I know it's not With always possible. With the TV possible. off and trying just, yeah. yeah, enjoy interaction. Yeah, exactly. So let's bring it back to actually, um, let's say, pre, pre-pregnancy pre mm-hmm. and also throughout that time period when you are pregnant. Perhaps you're feeling nauseous, mm. you're not able to keep food down. Should a mum panic because she's not able to get nutrition in? How does that kind of stage work? That's the, another really tricky one. It mm. varies on case to case. Some, some parents have... Oh, sorry, some mums to be yeah. have a lot of um, nausea and have a lot of morning sickness um, and it just isn't possible. Mm. It's a case of try not to worry, look after yourself as much as possible because ultimately that's going to be better for you than anything else. Yeah. Remember that actually before pregnancy we settle down a lot of mm-hmm. stores that we will then use during pregnancy. True. So for example, if you're not getting much in the way of iron, your body will you tap into iron your reserves. Iron stores. Calcium is exactly the same. So don't worry but what I would say is when you can, um, you know, try and get those foods in. Mm. Sipping on water, do you know, there are loads of tips. So, for example, eating little and often, focusing on dry foods. So, for example, something like crackers with a spread yeah. of Marmite is often quite a good one yeah. because it's got B, B vitamins and yeah. iron in, but also it's dry and it's normally fairly palatable. Um also, you know, if you can manage things like fruits and veggies, they're mm. quite a, a handy one to to try and have throughout the day so it's just really working out the other thing I love to say is have a list of foods that you can tolerate oh, that's nice and just try and rotate them. around those as much as you can and do you think people should be going and looking to get blood tests during this time check their levels with their doctors perhaps good question yeah absolutely I'd say mm. if you are concerned about anything then mm. you could absolutely have a chat with your health, your midwife yeah. who will um, be able to suggest you know see, have a look and see mm-hmm. if your symptoms suggest that you might be low for example in yeah. iron um, actually, uh, you know, iron is really, really significant in those early days because there's a huge amount of iron being used up to actually oh, build baby blood cells. Blood supply is incredible. Exactly, exactly. And so you you are at risk of being lower in iron if you're not getting enough in your diet. As I said, you do have reserves that you will use, but it's definitely worthwhile if you've got symptoms like mm. tiredness, which mm. will happen anyway, lethargy, yeah. you know, any of those kind of things. Have a chat with your midwife and they might be able to do a blood test for you and you can check whether you do need iron supplements they're not standard during pregnancy but there are a lot of parents who yeah or a lot definitely of check need because them. if you're taking a multivit or anything you just don't want to risk having too much of anything in particular you want to get the right amount i guess for exactly. your body and actually you yeah. mustn't take a uh, vitamin a, a during pregnancy as well yeah. so you know do, do chat do chat with your healthcare professional before mm. you make some of those decisions i think that's really important really sensible advice i think a lot of women worry about weight gain during pregnancy pregnancy but actually like you've just discussed all of its bodily fluids Mm. isn't it 
it's remarkable how much it is. It's, I, I was actually, I'm writing at the moment about uh, pregnancy symptoms mm. in the first trimester and I was reading about it. It is remarkable yeah. how much. I mean, it is everything. We don't think about it, but the weight that you are gaining is coming from not only a baby, mm-hmm. but a placenta and an amniotic fluid yeah. sac full of fluid. Also, yeah. your blood and your your the fluids in your body are all increased at the same mm. time. Your boobs get bigger. You're your bum gets all this bigger. Extra it's yeah, like it's all normal, and it's mm. all there for breastfeeding reserves. It's all there to help grow and function your baby. Mm. It's normal. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. You will be tired. Um, just try and get the foods in yeah. when you can, yeah. little and often. And you know, obviously, focus as much on a balanced diet as you can. But yeah. we're all human. Well, this <laughs> is the thing. We're all human, and in an era, well, not an era, rather, in a time where the NHS predicts that almost a third of children in the UK are overweight or obese. The government has previously launched a campaign for 100 calorie snacks for children. I know you and I have done a lot of talking about this in the headlines, but it was criticised by some for being too simplistic. What's your opinion on this? Oh, gosh, it's uh, I you're know. throwing I know. all the tricky questions today. <laughs> um, so... First of all, yes, it is too simplistic. Of course it is. But government guidelines can't really be anything but simplistic because they are a snapshot of information to... Masses. um, The masses. And every (laughs) single one of those people is individual. So, of course, it's it's always going to be too simplistic. If we look at energy recommendations, they are simplistic Mm. because they are not specific to us Mm. and our exercise and our, you know, body mass. And so... Yes, they are simplistic. And also, no, I would never encourage calorie counting at home for children. No. So I would never be saying to parents, check on check on their snacks and make sure they're low energy. A lot of them need more energy, like you exactly, said. Exactly. And it's the right type of energy. But what's also quite worrying is I recently read that researchers found that 75% of children's food products claimed to contain one portion of fruit or veg. And, mm. and they didn't. Mm. Yeah. It's inaccurate. Yeah, and that's, that's to do with more with labelling because there is no... There is no recommendation on what actually is, for labelling purposes, a portion of fruit and veg for children. children, So it's very difficult. And actually, for me, I feel like, yes, brands need to make sure they're being really transparent and really Mm. honest and explaining. Um, But also, at the same time, there needs to be some sort of guidance for brands to use. So Mm. if you are trying to sell a healthier product or Mm. if you are trying to talk about nutrition, you need to have some guidelines to stand by. And actually, there isn't a huge amount. There There are obviously requirements for infant toddler foods and what they can and can't have in them but for example something like five a day there is no there's no guidelines on using that on a pack at the moment no. and we need something more specific and just yeah. really briefly to go back to that 100 calories mm. a day, uh, 100 calorie snacks I have to say I do think that actually for um, companies and brands that can be quite useful so ra- basically I, I believe that that message was meant to be more for do you know what if you're looking for pre-packaged snacks then going for ones that are 100 calories are useful because yeah. it's more for industry to try and keep their calorie amounts down down yeah. so that they're not offering foods for the general population that are you know a snack which has 12 thousand calories in so you know I, I think if you look at it in that context but obviously you know I'm I'm sort of in the middle I'm always in the I middle know. I know I'm kind of always in the middle as well but I think that's a health professionals role really because yeah. you've got to appreciate both Absolutely. sides of the argument but and you can't be extreme no. one way or the other because no. it just doesn't help anyone no what, and ultimately we just need to go back to basics and encourage parents that the more variety of flavors and fruit yeah. and veg children get the better really exactly. is my kind of philosophy what are your thoughts on initiatives like um, MEND or the National child measurement program um that's all these enforced kind of programs now on let's weigh our children let's make sure we get a tape measure around them and Mm. keep them on track what are your thoughts on this yeah I think that's probably not helpful either I think it's all about the approach so it's not to say that we don't need to talk about it because we do need to talk about weight and health and nutrition and what kids are eating and we're not talking about it enough so Mm. for example in schools we're often not talking about it enough Um, you know in health visitor clinics we're often not talking about nutrition enough so I think we need to talk about it more but it is always in the approach so how do we do that how do we raise the issue how do we talk to um, parents in an empathetic 
understanding um, way that's going to help them to make changes mm. because ultimately you do want parents to maybe up their veg that their little ones are eating or up the fibre or maybe reduce the amount of crisps that they're having every, you know, each day. Because that's going to affect them for life. It is, it is. And it's going to affect their taste buds. It's going to affect the food that they're used to. It's going to affect, affect their patterns of eating later on. It puts on. them at a disadvantage of them being very difficult to shift weight when they're older. Yeah, completely. So I think there are... There's, we do need to approach it, but it is all about the method, isn't it? Mm. It's all about the way that we do this. And, you know, I used to run sessions for healthcare professionals, which were called um, uh, How to Talk About Weight. Mm. So it was all about how you approach that. And you don't just whack a tape measure out or send a no. letter that says, by the way, your child's obese, come back in and see us <sighs> and we'll weigh them yeah, again yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. you also need to, to help make practical changes because it's all very well measuring. But what are we then going to do? So if children are overweight, what, what then happens? You and know, these are human beings we're talking about. Completely. With thoughts, so. feelings and memories that will last forever. Yeah. Uh, it's very worrying, isn't it? It but is. It is all about, you know, yeah. being sensitive, approaching it in a, in a gentle way, trying to get the messages across. We know education alone doesn't work. We need to work together. So, for example, we need, you know, schools and doctors and health visitors and healthcare professionals and workplaces to all be working together to, to make these Charlotte, changes. that is my dream. I, I dream <laughs> of a team where registered nutritionists can work with doctors yeah. can work with PTs and, and supermarkets supermarkets yeah, completely. And everyone's just they're so connected working together <laughs> that's the only way to be honest that is genuinely the only, the only way, way we're going to make change health so change, yeah. until we get much more joined up approach and I think it is happening like supermarkets are starting to make really mm. really positive changes for example um, brands are often really thinking about nutrition when they're bringing out products mm. you know we've got loads more campaigns from the government whether they're yeah. right or wrong or whether they're yeah. approach right or wrong there is a change happening but it does need to be more joined up I think. and we need to understand um i wasn't actually going to discuss this on today's podcast but we are registered nutritionists and it's really important that we actually get the message out there that we have degrees and qualifications mm. backing what we do yeah. whereas there are a lot of people that can do an online course and call themselves oh, yeah. yeah which then confuses our cause because they'll mm. be giving out incorrect yeah, advice completely completely so yeah we have to touch on that but anyway yeah. we have lots of <laughs> questions um from followers today oh wow oh, oh i, I forgot about this bit. i know oh, this is the How best exciting. bit. Exactly. You get to make a difference to them. So Judith has said, I've read that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and it can help children concentrate more at school. Should I be making sure my children eat breakfast every day and what should I give them? Mm, so that's a good one. There's, it's a bit of a controversial one at the moment, whether breakfast is needed or not. And generally, I would say it's it's a it's an individual's choice. However, when it comes to children, as we've said, Ree, they are growing and developing at very fast rates. Mm. Um, they do need lots of energy in order for them to be able to run around, play in the playground and learn grow all of those things yeah. so I would say yes breakfast is important for young children I agree to have. for children yeah completely more so than adults I think as you get to adulthood and you you know you say do you know what I'm just not hungry in the morning the that's fine different. that's absolutely fine you can balance it out through the rest of your day young children aren't necessarily going to think about that um, they might just be running around in the playground and I think absolutely as I said they are growing developing if they're going to school or nursery mm. they do need the energy from food gosh so. they run everywhere they yeah. run um, so I think yeah try and try <laughs> get the breakfast in even mm. if it's something small try and get them something in the morning like to porridge top up or some exactly. toast porridge yeah. even if it's a little bit of fruit or yeah. banana in the morning try and get something in just to give them that little boost of energy good tip very well answered <laughs> so mark has said i have two daughters and i find keeping their meals interesting quite expensive mm. do you have tips for eating healthily on a budget Okay, so God, definitely. First of all, frozen fruit and veggies are your friend. They're my favourite friends. I love them. I get so many questions with people when I when I post about Rafi having them saying, but is that okay to give them for Yes. Give them away. Everything. I've got uh, packs everything. in my freezer of pineapple, mango, frozen forest fruits, <laughs> yep. blueberries, raspberries. You they're name it. Fave, I've got fave. those packs. Of and fruit. also, you can get you can get <laughs> avocado frozen. Yeah. You can get spinach frozen. You know, peas are a massive friend of mine. I yeah. I use peas all the time because they are really nutrient rich. Mm. Um, kids tend to love them. They add variety and texture into a meal, yeah, and they're done in in what two minutes. So so first of all, frozen fruit and vegetables are your friend. Do not be afraid of them. Mm. Bulk meals out with them. Use them to add your your veggies in um also remember that lots of foods don't have to be expensive for example you could buy a huge bag of oats um you know you don't have to buy baby food or specific baby food remember to maybe 
you offer your baby or your child similar foods to what you're eating. So if you're making a meal for you, just make a little bit extra. Like porridge. You could just make exactly. your own porridge. porridge. Just take a bit of it out and give it to exactly. them. Exactly. Perfect. So so offer your meals because then you just need to make a little bit more of what you're having rather than a whole separate meal. So that can save loads of money. That's really good um, for encouraging good food behaviours as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, mm. completely. Exactly. Encouraging mm. them to eat. I mean, honestly, I uh, we my son has a real variety because I'm so hot on it. But it is it definitely doesn't cost us a huge amount of money. You know, we we go often we shop in Aldi and Lidl, which have mm. really really good, um, fairly cheap fruits and veggies as well. Mm. Um, we buy things in bulk sometimes, so uh, peanut butter, which we yeah. get through like you would not believe. <laughs> we buy those in really big tubs, so yeah. that we've got them. Um, but yeah, hopefully that helps a little bit. I think that was a, that was wonderful. <laughs> I'm so happy about the frozen things. Um, Tracy has said, "My little one used to love broccoli, but now hates it. Wow. Should I be concerned? And how can I how can I get him to love it?" First of all, absolutely don't be concerned. There's plenty of other ways that he can get the nutrients there from broccoli. Other vegetables. Completely. But um, this is so common for children to eat it, gobble it up, and then all of a sudden go, nah, don't want it anymore. Really normal. Um, first of all, keep offering it. As soon as you take things off of the table and you never offer them again, they're never going to be exposed to them, so they won't accept them. So keep offering it every now and then. Don't say, oh, now I know you don't like this. Just offer it, smile, encourage, and also, as we said before, eat it yourself. Brilliant. Those are the key ways, but mm. just don't just don't give up with it. Keep oh, going with it. So much good advice on this podcast today. So Sean has said, <laughs> I'm a single mom and I struggle to find the time to cook for three children wow sean she said do you have any quick healthy cooking hacks oh gosh that's that's a toughie first i'd say is one pot meals for the whole family again eating the same yeah one pot can be super cheap you know tin beans tin tomatoes really easy handful of this handful of that yeah casseroles chilies Mm. and reuse sauces so for example tomato base and then you can just whack in extra nutrients whether that be a bit of meat a bit of fish Mm. or um, some beans lentils and pulses Mm. you know change it up you can freeze meals so that you can just pop them out the uh, the night before and and portion it before you freeze it is my biggest tip because I've made that mistake so many times so I freeze a meal in like a big lunch box and I'm like well I only need half of it (laughs) the whole thing is then and then you eat for the next three days yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but if you're doing it for, you know, if you've got a mum, uh, if it's a mum with three children, then actually you probably will need fairly big portions anyway. Mm. So, so to free, you know, make meals in bulk and freeze them when you've got a little bit more time. Eat meals together, one pot meals, absolutely. Also plenty of finger foods, um, you know, for children that can be, I, I love doing like a little buffet for Rafi with yeah. leftovers in the fridge, yeah. just all bunged in together um, and uh, yeah, let them kind of help themselves. So hopefully great. that helps a little bit. Also oh, check out great. my Instagram because I've got yeah loads of ideas on yes this. definitely definitely <laughs> check out that because I love the little plate you've got as well this cute little plate where you can put cucumber sticks one side yeah, and veggies yeah. the other and things the like that section plates. okay so we're now going to move on to my favorite part of the podcast which is my fact or fiction round are you ready oh yeah I think so I'll give it a go <laughs> Charlotte's face <laughs> okay here we go a child's weight determines their health no Fiction. <laughs> Great Terrible stuff. start. Fiction. <laughs> Love it. It's better for a fussy child to eat something than nothing at all. Not necessarily. Fiction. Love that. Pregnant women should eat eggs. If you like them, yeah. Fine. Fact. That's a total myth, isn't it? They can't eat eggs now. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, definitely can if they want to. Brilliant. Vegan children are the healthiest. Fiction. Context matters. Mm. Children's allergies to food are on the rise. Fact. Oh, could you expand on that? Sorry, it's quick fire round. So like we we don't really know. It does seem like there it does seem to be an increase in food allergies. We have no idea why. No idea why. It might just be more reported. Mm. Um, it might just be because we have a much wider variety of foods that we have access to. So, mm. for example, we didn't eat nuts in the way that no. we eat nuts, um, you know, previously. Mm. So it's probably more about food exposure. It's probably about the variety that we have, um, but and also reported. We just don't know. But it no. does appear that it is on the rise. Okay. Children's snacks should contain 100 calories or less. Fiction. <laughs> a sugar detox is healthy. Fact. Uh, wait, it's fiction. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so bad at this. I'm trying to work out the fact versus fiction. No, no, that's definitely... Fiction. She's got it. She's Massively. Got it. Fiction. Advertising sugary and salty foods to children should be banned. Fact. Children should take daily vitamins. Fact. Babies should avoid dairy. Fiction. 
Brilliant. I got well it done. right at the end. She did it. She did it. She nailed the it's end It's because I was thinking truth or scare, true, false, fact. Anyway, ignore truth me. Truth or scare. Okay. <laughs> we have fact or fiction here, which is good. So that nearly wraps up the episode. But with every guest, we finish with a food for thought. So mine today would be that eating right is important at any age, as we've discussed, but especially during the early years of childhood, because a nutritious diet significantly increases a child's chance of a healthy life and kick-starting their cognitive development. So there is no questioning the important role that nutrition plays in a family's health. But helping the whole family stick to balanced, healthy meals, that's what can sometimes be a challenge. So don't be discouraged if things don't always go to plan. Um, as we've said today, simple changes to your daily routine and your meal times, as Charlotte explained earlier, can have an immense impact on your family nutrition. So including variety and colour to your child's diet can really help them embrace an array of foods offered to them and ensure they're getting adequate amounts of nutrition because they're growing and they're running around everywhere. Enjoyment of food is also key and can go a long way in helping develop a healthy relationship with food. And parents have a lot on their plate. But being informed and taking advantage of the tips and tricks that we've shared today, hopefully providing children with a balanced diet, that's what we're going to aim for that can become easier. So if you could share with us, Charlotte, one kind of take-home message or food for thought today, what would that be? So what I would say is it's not necessarily related to nutrition, um, necessarily, more about comparison. Mm. I think comparison is a real big issue at the moment. And I certainly see it with a lot of the parents that I work with and I talk to, comparing what their little one's eating with what another child is eating, comparing their child's health or choices. Um, it's really important not to compare ourselves. I think that we're all individuals. And I know you talk about that a lot as well. We were all mm. individual beings and we all have our own likes, our own dislikes and our own way of living and it's really important that we embrace that and just let ourselves and our young children be happy with the way that they are of course we can make tweaks to improve ourselves but comparing with other people is never going to be helpful no. because you are you and it's the same with young children so if you're you've got a little one who doesn't eat anywhere near as much as Jack next door, that's okay. You know, your little one has their own appetite and their own thoughts and feelings around food and it's okay to um, remember that. So that's what I would say. I think that's so valuable, especially in today's online yes, world completely. because at the end of the day, we've been having children for centuries and mm. somehow we've managed. So yeah. <laughs> that was a lovely, lovely food for thought. Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. It really is heartening to know there's such a craving to hear from expert voices in a world full of confusing advice. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there and hopefully help more people. So we'd really appreciate it. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com, subscribe to my newsletter, and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.